Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I'm here with Jacob Licklider. Hello. I'm also here with Ark. Hey, what's up? And technically newcomer to the new channel, not really, kind of newcomer, uh, newcomer to discussions, uh, Marcus Cotton. Hello. Um, and uh, he has a channel on YouTube. Uh, actually, Jacob and Marcus both have channels that I will leave linked in the description. They're both really awesome. You should go check them out. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Ark does not, because Ark, Ark's voice is enough. He doesn't need a channel. He has his own fan base for his vocal cords. Um, I wish. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, you have me in it at least. I mean, isn't that enough? It really is enough. See, there we go. You alone are the source of my self-esteem. I, I support Ark's vocal cords, and you all should too. Um, so anyway, uh, before we get into this episode today, I'm going to throw up on the screen right now the rest of our episodes for the year. This is June through December. Um, for the rest of the year, episodes 6 through 12, um, I think only two or three spots are open. Um, so I'll leave, leave those up on the screen right now. Um, get on those if you want to. I'll leave my Twitter link in the description. You can message me there. Um, so yeah, if you want get, to get on any of those episodes. So today, uh, for this episode, we're discussing the Big Finish main range, uh, numbers 6 through 10, this being the Marion Conspiracy, uh, the Genocide Machine, Red Dawn, Spectre of Lanyon Moor, and Winter for the Adept. Um, so I guess, uh, let's just jump right into this with the Marion... Jacob, what are you typing? Nothing. I can hear you! Shut up! <laughs> um... Shit, I lost my train of thought, you bastard. Oh. <laughs> Alright, so I guess... Marion Conspiracy. Ah, oh, Marion Conspiracy. So who was it? So, Jacob, you're the only one who's talked about Marion Conspiracy on my channel before, right? With Evil and Smiley. Yeah, because... Wait, was it your channel or was it Brian's? It was my channel. I oh, didn't... right, because the hexes are on Brian's. Which is weird, because I'm the one who prefers McCoy, and he's the one who prefers Colin. But, whatever. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so uh, so I guess let's open with uh, who would like to start with Mary Conspiracy, Ark or Marcus? I'll go well, ahead. Uh, oh, sorry, Marcus, if you want to go, no, you go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, what is there really to say about this one that you didn't already say in your Evelyn video, Joey? Well, I mean, without endlessly plugging that video, let's um, let's create a discussion of our own, I guess. Uh, Ark, would you like to open? Yeah, so I think my uh, Marion Conspiracy opinion is relatively unpopular because I really don't think it's all that amazing, which I, right, is that controversial at all? Uh, yes. Very much, very much so. Okay, so we're going to go into this. So Marion <laughs> Conspiracy, I absolutely love Evelyn and the Sixth Doctor in it. Like, they are by far the highlight of the entire audio. But the plot itself, while still being very, very good, I find it's a little bit slow in some places and... It's definitely not as interesting as other Evelyn audios I've heard. But um, for an introduction to Evelyn and her dynamic with the Sixth Doctor, it's absolutely amazing, and that is by far the best part of the audio. I mean, I I agree with your sentiment about Evelyn and, and how it's a great introduction, but I think there's a lot more merit to the story than you're giving it credit for. Um, well, I'm saying it's a very good story. It's just it's not as amazing as everyone says it is. Ooh, okay. So... Well, is there anything about it that specifically let you down, or was it just, you know, didn't quite live up to the hype? Well, I think, like, I don't think it was overhyped for me, but when I was sitting down listening to it, there were certain points, and I did listen to it, like, a year ago. I don't remember exact specifics, but I found myself saying, okay, we could go further here. We don't have to stay so long in this one area. 
like Spectre of Lanyon more, which we'll talk about later. I thought that was a lot more interesting, at least to me. Hmm. Wow, you are so lucky Brian's not on this, because he, <laughs> he'd be freaking out right now. Because um, uh, yeah, was, was, I think he hates uh, Spectre, right? Oh, God, he, Spectre is so good. He fucking despises hold off that talking one. Indeed. Um, so, uh, Marcus, thoughts on the Marion Conspiracy? Um, there are a lot of big finish stories that I think are overhyped or are in danger of being overhyped, like spare parts. But I do think the Marion Conspiracy is one that deserves every bit of hype it's ever received. I do think it's... I think it might be one of my favorite Evelyn stories. I'm not sure. There's, I have like four left to listen to. But, yeah, I do agree with Art. Colin and Maggie are the standouts of this story. I also have to really praise Anna Rudin as Queen Mary. Oh, she's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah All I'd the characters say, are really good. I have yeah, to say I'd that. I'd say as far as historical depictions of historical characters in Doctor Who, Anna Rudin is probably one of my top five. Mm, yeah, she's wonderful. Um, yeah, now that you bring that up, I especially love the supporting cast of this story, who... Um, who bring this sort of comedic element to a surprisingly dark story. It, it's very, very brutal, very, very confrontational. dark? I would say it's surprisingly dark. I mean, it's about Bloody Mary. Well, yeah, I mean, specifically, I, I surpri- that... surprisingly more so in that the story at the same time is very funny. I yeah, mean, I, I guess... What's up? I, I see where you're coming from, Joey. Like, like it's very much presented like... Like, you can't help but laugh out loud at certain parts of the story. Because it is fairly ridiculous at times, but it's dealing with some very dark subject matter. And I appreciate its approach to... Um, its approach to that, yeah, very much so. What was it? Uh, written by... I just didn't even mention the writer. Uh, Jacqueline Rayner, of course, who's always wonderful. Yeah. Um, I think the story does a really good job balancing comedy and... It's darker elements, and I really do love that in any kind of story. And Marion Conspiracy does do that very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob, anything to add to Marion Conspiracy? Uh, I'd argue this is the first story uh, where Colin Baker really starts to come into his own uh, and be able to get away from the trappings of the uh, his TV portrayal. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the we mentioned this last time, and I forget who I was on with with the second episode of the Celestial Podcast, where we talked about the first five main range. Jacob, can can you stop that buzzing on your end at all, or is that just something that's unavoidable? I think it's unavoidable. Thing going the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and oh, and it just raised in pitch, lovely. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, but I, like I was saying, uh, when we talked about the first five main range, I talked about. Um, Stories that I think uh, that feature the Redemption Doctor specifically in the early main range being uh, Colin and McCoy. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say Marion Conspiracy is Big Finish's first big step towards um, making Colin a Redemption Doctor and really bringing him into a more favorable light. Um, and you very much see that, you know. Uh, he doesn't start to mellow out in this story, but uh, he does have a fun rapport with Evelyn that does start to bring him into his uh, his mellowing out stage of his uh, his timeline, which I really enjoy. I think Six with Evelyn is um, by far the best dynamic he has with any other companion. Like, Harry and Six are, 
iconic, super good, but him and Evelyn, in my opinion, are just loads better. I mean, it's uh, and Donna taking to the nth degree. Uh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, if we're gonna get into like who Cullen's better with, I mean, most of you know that Perry's my favorite companion, but you know, I won't get into that right now. Uh, I yeah, but I th- yeah, I think uh, definitely Evelyn is one of his best rapports with any of his companions. Even though I do slightly prefer his rapport with Perry, especially uh, in the trilogy where she returns. Okay, but, Salty uh, Perry trilogy, him and Perry. There's nothing to match it. That is the absolute best. But yeah. in general, with Perry, I think Evelyn and Six are slightly better. Yeah, I, I, they're they're very fun and and um, you know, I it, they're they're very enjoyable to listen to off of each other, um, and that very much comes across from the very moment they meet in this story. Uh, they have a really fun opening scene, and. Um, yeah, Maggie Stables establishes herself as one of the, I think, best companions ever. Um, she does a great job of like, getting us to know uh, the character of Evelyn right off the bat. And um, and we've been with her ever since. Well, until 2013. You know what I mean, Jacob, you bastard. God damn it. Okay. I mean, really, the only issue I have with their meeting, and this is an issue I have generally with audio, is with the audios, is I don't think companion introductions to the TARDIS work as well on audio as they do on TV. Um, and I know it's different. I know she's supposed to be unimpressed, but I've felt this since The Harvest. At least I think. It's been a while since I've listened to The Harvest. And it was the same way with the Sinestrin Kill, which I listened to more recently. I mean, you're, you're just talking specifically about companion introductions, right? Yeah, I'm just comparing companion introductions to the TARDIS. It's just yeah, everything else is great. That's just, like, one small thing. Well, I think that on TV, a lot of the times, companion introductions to the TARDIS are really overplayed. Like, I think I enjoy um, Big Finish uh, companions' introductions to the TARDIS just as well, because they are different. They're not always this, oh my god, it's bigger on the inside kind of thing. And uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess is there anything else to add on uh, the Marion conspiracy before we move on to the next one? Um, all these stories are less than three bucks currently on the Big Finish website. You God damn it, it, Jacob! I think you did this last time too. Yeah, Big Finish sales. <laughs> I do think of these five stories. I think the music in this one stands out the most. Oh yes, this does have a really good score, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yeah. Um. So, ratings out of 10 for the Marion Conspiracy. Jacob? 10. 10? All right. 10. Um, like, 8.5-ish. All right. Uh, Marcus? Yeah, I actually had to go through and look for issues to find, so 10. All right, then. Um, kind of, I mean, we all praise it, um, but ratings across the board, I give it a 9, personally. I don't think it's quite perfect, um... But yeah, uh, ratings across the board, generally good stuff. Um, I think on an average rating, that brings it to about a nine-ish, a little bit above. Um, so yeah, so I guess now let's move on to The Genocide Machine by Mike Tucker. Um, can, can I start this one, please? Sure. Well, because you just read a, a novel oh. by Mike Tucker, didn't you? Uh, a while ago. It was oh. That was a couple books ago. But uh, 
What so, is a but what is a while ago when Jacob looked like Leiter three days? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think it was. I think it was last month. For, for those unaware listening, Jacob reads at the fucking speed of a fucking god. I don't. I don't get it. It's. Yeah, it was last month. It was like I. I, I know. Her. So so long ago, Jacob. Oh, so long ago indeed. It was over a month ago. Fuck you. Just, just start, read, go, like, go ahead. Go, go ahead why. and start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna start by giving this story a, a bit of a defense. Um, I. It has a lot of pre-production problems, I know, of behind the scenes. Um, mainly, it was. I think this was originally supposed to be release number four. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, for some reason, people uh, give it... Some, some people have this habit of putting it before the Fearmonger, for some reason. Even well, though I, it was... I could, I mean, I could kind of see that. What are, what are we just talking about? Chronological placement? Yeah. I could see it being before the Fearmonger, because the Fearmonger does kind of change the dynamic between McCoy and Ace post-VNAs. Um, so Genocide Machine, as a more by-and-by story, does sort of make sense before the Fearmonger. Yeah. Uh, I, the, I, we know this is... I know it ties into this. There's some references to other Mike Tucker novels, which I've not read. Um, but I think that the ideas here are really, really clever. Uh, uh, Mike Tucker's script doesn't let it down. Um, I, I think one of the big things that really lets it down is that Nick Briggs is the Daleks here. Is it his best? What? Yeah, I looked at the cast list for this one, and it it was him and someone else doing the Dalek. I think it was. Yeah, it was. uh, Oh, Alistair Locke, I think. He did. Wait, no, he didn't even do the Daleks in this one. No, Briggs did. Oh, 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 shit, shit! You're right. I was looking at the wrong thing. Yep. Uh, but I just um, I like a lot of the ideas. Uh, I think it's, um, I think that Bev is a fun character. The idea of, you know, water-based life forms or like a liquid-based life forms is a fun sci-fi concept that I wish, I wish was, um, expanded on a little more. So, um, so, wait, so I'm wondering what held it back in pre-production? Cause I've never heard about that. I don't know. Um, I, I think. I think part of it could have been the use, the license for the Daleks. Oh, okay, that's true. Um, could have been a writing thing. Uh, I know this is uh, according to Tardis Wiki. This is the first one that first audio that used Pro Tools for editing, so they could. Oh, okay. Apparently, during editing, uh, what Briggs was using to edit broke down in mid-production, so. He, the production was delayed because of that. Oh, okay, damn. Hmm. So this is this is partially edited on two different systems, like old-fashioned multi-tape recording editing, and like almost that early digital type editing. I mean, so, to be fair, I I can't really tell the difference. I can't tell the cutoff points. So, I mean, yeah, knowing there's a production error in, in the background, you know, it, it's it's kind of annoying but yeah i can't tell so it's not really distracting to me really... i'd also i'd also i also think there's a lot of really good stuff here uh 
it basically does the Planet of the Daleks thing, but, like, better uh, than Planet of the Daleks. Uh, there's... I love the way Ace reacts to the Daleks. I love the, the duplicate stuff. There's just a lot of stuff to love here. Oh, but yeah, I, I do... Kid. I do appreciate the concepts of this story a lot. Um... But overall, I think it's mostly standard as far as Dalek stories go. The concepts outside of the Dalek stuff, I think, are really cool. But um, as far as the Daleks themselves go, I think they're pretty by and by. They don't have a lot to offer to the story. But McCoy and Ace is always are are great. You know, McCoy and Sophie Aldred uh, off of each other is always really nice. Um, yeah, Ark. I think um, Genocide Machine is very interesting audio, just because for me it's like fifty fifty. It's got some really good ideas. Some good characters. I love the atmosphere. Um, and just the last two parts, even, are really good, in my opinion. The first two parts, you don't really know where it's going. The story doesn't really go anywhere. But in part three, you actually start going somewhere, and then it kind of ends abruptly. So there's a lot of potential in this audio. Um, not a lot of it was reached, but I can respect ideas in this story. And also the Dalek voices are like almost obnoxious. Like that's really a big criticism because it's, you know, in the early days of Big Finish, they haven't really gotten that effect down yet. So the Daleks were uh, not great, but that's really a small criticism I have. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I'd also, Nick Briggs gets to play a different character as well, which is always nice. <laughs> yes, yes, when Nick Briggs actually gets to act and, you know, not just shout as a monster. Because he, he's a good actor. Oh, yeah, but they never let him actually act. No. Unless it's the Sherlock Holmes range. Indeed. Or, like, oh, yeah. not a Doctor Who range. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Marcus, thoughts on the genocide machine? Um, yeah, no. It's, there were some good ideas here, like everyone said, but for me, this was probably the weakest story. It's just, I, You know, just to make sure I had a good grasp on everything that we were going to talk about, about i listened to each story three times and with the genocide machine that one was the biggest chore just for me there was no hook it's like and like arc said the first two episodes really just kind of squandered and went on a little long um but yeah there was really no hook that really grabbed me until those last two episodes i i see what you mean (coughs) oh sorry um yeah i see what you mean um it does take a while to get going. But overall, I think the story is pretty admirable. You know, as a, as a first Dalek outing for Big Finish, I think it's pretty successful. Um, nothing impressive, but it doesn't really have to be, you know, it's your first Dalek story. Um, you know, you can't reinvent the wheel each time you introduce the Daleks to a range. Um, so I think it's all right. Uh, so ratings out of 10, Ark. Six out of 10. All right, Marcus? Yeah, like I said, it's just fairly average, but because I wasn't really hooked, I'm going to the lower side of average with 4 out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I personally go with a 7. I think it's alright. I think it's, uh, Not alright. I think it's pretty good. Um, Jacob? And I go with Ark giving it a 6. Alright then. Oh, wow. I, I, I don't think we're going to have a unanimous vote on this one. That's, uh, I mean, maybe... Eh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so I guess now... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. I didn't even ask. We didn't have anything else to add to Genocide Machine, right? Or did we cover everything? I, I think, think the joke it. with Catalogger I think the joke with Briggs's character Catalogger Catalogger Prig went on too long to be funny. Uh yeah, that's about right. <laughs> so um like the first few times I got a chuckle but then they kept doing it. 
So I guess now, um, now we should, now we can move on to uh, Red Dawn by the man, the myth, the legend, Justin Richards, who I know oh. Jacob, who I know Jacob just adores. Wait, Jacob, would you, would you... Justin Richards wrote Red Dawn? Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think we feel the same about this one, Jacob. Would you like to start again? I know you just started the last one too, but I think. I think you deserve this one. <laughs> no, I don't want to start this one because I want to start Winter for the Adept because that one's by Andrew. Oh, but I, but I love Winter for the Adept. All right, fine, Marcus. Go, Winter for the Adept. Start on Red. Wait a minute, has Ark started? Fine, Ark started. Somebody start. Star. Star. God damn it, <laughs> Marcus, you go ahead. Start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one, this one, I always found kind of interesting. This was my first Fifth Doctor and Perry story, but. Yeah, this one I'm always kind of surprised to say peep to see people say it's one of the weaker stories because I actually like it. It's a slow burner, but then again, in my opinion, most Ice Warrior stories are. Um, hmm. I yeah. thought, so, but, but but keep going. I, I before uh, before I butt in on that. I mean, yeah. Um, Davison and Bryant have a very different dynamic from Baker and Bryant, and. I, I don't think that I don't think they were there yet in terms of clicking, which is funny because they work together on TV. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think they um they work together that well because they didn't have much time together on TV. Um, also, Davison as an actor just didn't like Perry as a companion. Nothing against Nicola Bryant, but he never liked the idea of an American companion for pretty much no reason. Yeah, and, uh, and it seems like in the, at least the first episode, it seems like David. Davison is really disinterested. It seems like he's kind of phoning it in. Uh, yeah, yeah. He gets better as the story goes on, but just like that first episode or two, he seems really flat. Yeah, I think this story just overall... So, bouncing off of that, I think the story is just generally unimpressive. It doesn't have a lot to offer. Um, it just kind of goes on and on. And, I, and this is coming from a big Ice Warrior fan. I, I, there's not a single... Uh, there there aren't many Ice Warrior stories that I dislike, especially on TV. Yes, I even like Cold War and Empress of Mars. Um, I like Empress of Mars. Yeah. Um, I and do you like Cold War? Haven't seen it yet. I haven't watched a lot of the Matt Smith era. Oh, all right. Don't blame that. you. <laughs> uh, hey, that, that's different, but totally fair at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay, I have a big gripe with Red Dawn though, and this is something that like just bothers me so much. Um. And I've listened to it twice now. Even though every single Ice Warrior in this story is played by a different actor, they, they all, all sound the same. They all sound the fucking all same. The same. You cannot tell a single Ice Warrior apart from another one, other than if they directly end each sentence with, yes, whatever your Ice Warrior name is. Yes, whatever Ice Warrior name is. Like, it's uh, it's so annoying, and you cannot tell them apart. Well, I mean, it's Also, Robert Jezik is in this one. Is He's not one of the Ice Warriors, is he? No. Oh, nice. No, he's, he's the com American commander guy. Oh, that's why that voice sounds familiar. It's his minuet <laughs> in hell voice. I love Robert Jezek. <laughs> who, um, who, at the time of recording, we just found out um, not too long ago that uh, that Robert Jezek will be returning to Big Finish in a tortured audio. And probably as Frobisher, because they cannot just get him back for a tortured audio and not get him for Frobisher as well. <laughs> They can't do comic adaptations and not get Frobisher back. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Also, um, Georgia Moffat is in this, aka Georgia Tennant, aka. Is she really? Oh shit! I didn't yeah. realize that. Wow. This... Okay. 
this has quite the cast for a really shit story. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe really shit is a bit unfair. I think it's average. It's, un- yeah, it's pretty average. average. Oh, also, yeah. the guy who plays Jason Kane is in this. Holy shit! Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's got a good cast. Jason Hagelery plays one of the Ice Warriors. Holy shit! So wow. is Gary Russell. Uh, well, it's Gary Russell. Are you surprised? No. <laughs> a man who started his Doctor Who name with an Ice Warrior book. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. Mark, anything to uh, what, what, what would you like to add to our Red Dawn discussion? So um, I'm gonna tell a little story here. I remember sitting down, oh. about to listen to Red Dawn. I was thinking, oh, political ice warrior story. I'm going to love this. I listened to the first episode and I think, okay, this is pretty good. And then I like start talking to Brian about it, and Brian's like, oh, I love that audio, and that excites me more. And I keep listening to it, and it gets so, so, so slow. I lose track of everything that's going on. And I think Brian said that, yeah, I'm like the only one who likes this audio. So, <laughs> it was like, a little and, and everything just makes sense immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, like, his father called it Red Yawn or something. And I can't think of a better way to describe it because it is so boring. <laughs> anyway, that's all. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's, it's pretty bad. And, you know, oh, the only the only interesting stuff that happens here is the sort of Tomb of the Cybermen-like stuff, which was done better in Empress of Mars. Yeah, uh, yeah, very true. No, Empress and, of and Mars was Tanya being either. a kind of ice warrior hybrid is kind of interesting. They don't do anything with it, but it's an interesting concept. See, see yeah. that, gets done, that gets done better later on it's, in Mark Platt's Thin Ice. It's interesting in concept, but it just, they do nothing with it. Um... The ideas are there, but in true Justin Richards fashion, he does nothing with them. Um, it's almost like he was given this really great prompt uh, to, to write a to write a four part story out of, and he was like, "Here's a Peter Davison story. By and by, this is exactly what you'd expect. This is like, uh, what what can I relate this to? Um, it's almost like the portrayal of the Cybermen in Earthshock." And I know I have an unopinion about Earth, uh, unpopular opinion about Earthshock, um, but I think the Cybermen aren't interesting in it. Um, and that's about where I think the Ice Warriors land with this. They're, they're about the same as that portrayal of the Cybermen, that the, the villains themselves should be interesting. And when you're writing for a popular villain like that, the, the writing should just be handed to you on a silver platter. But if you do nothing with it, then, the, uh, then those monsters suddenly become not interesting whatsoever and i love the ice warriors i love the ice warriors way more than most doctor who fans should um but i love them for some unexplained reason and to see them so underutilized is kind of disheartening i agree well, because I they're an interesting idea like martians that aren't entirely evil and based off of an, a, like this warrior caste system type thing there's a lot of potential there yeah Really, um, my big issue with indeed. this story, like, and, and indeed, there's a, definitely some. They bring back the Ice Warriors again and again in Big Finish and do some really interesting stuff with them. Uh, Thin Ice, Lords of the Red Planet, uh, Judgment of Iskar. Uh, there's a Benny audio with the Ice Warriors that's supposed to be really good that I haven't listened to. I've heard but people I like Demos. Oh yeah, that two part is really good. 
But yeah, other than that, my big issue with this story is Paul, the villain of the story. But that's just me, because generally, I don't like that smarmy, slimy, business guy type villain. Well, I like them when they're used properly. And I do, I, I think there's the potential for a cool villain there. You know, I always like when um, humans attempt to ally themselves with, with big Doctor Who monsters. It's a cool idea. Um, but it, it's something about it, just li- like most of this story, doesn't land. Yeah. yeah, there's a way to do it right, and Red Dawn definitely does not do it right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, ratings out of 10 for Red Dawn. Uh, Ark? Um, I'd give it a 4. Okay. Uh, Jacob? 5. Uh, Marcus? Yeah, 5. And I give it a 5 as well. Okay, so almost unanimous on that. Who knows? Um... All right, well, that was fun. Uh, let's move on to The Spectre of Lanyon Moor by Nicholas yeah, Pegg. Uh... Discount Terror of the Zygons. But it's fun! Oh, it's so pulled from Battlefield. It's fun, and I enjoy it, but it's still Discount Terror of the Zygons. Oh, but it's so much fun! I love it so much! Actually, I think it's better than Terror of the Zygons, but that's only because I'm not I a huge agree. fan of Terror of the Zygons. No, I like um, Terror of the Zygons, and I think it's better than Terror of the Zygons. Yeah. You're I both mean, wrong. I mean, Zygons is all right. I enjoyed I, it's 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 all right, but I think the story's better. And what do you mean we're both wrong, Jacob? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> yeah, even the wrong ones. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey! We had this conversation this morning, Jacob. This isn't happening on this episode, all right? Especially because Marcus is here. So anyway, uh, uh, fuck! Oh, I lost my train of thought. I need to save this quick. All right, um, Spectre of Landy and more. Um, Brings back, of course, Nicholas Courtney as the Brigadier, uh, being his his first appearance in Big Finish. Not Nicholas Courtney's first appearance in Big Finish, but uh, Brigadier's, Brigadier's first appearance. appearance. And um, his only team up with the Sixth Doctor. And, and it was amazing. Outside yeah. book. It's amazing. Oh yeah, what book is it? Shadow in the Glass, written by Stephen Cole and Justin Richards. Wow. Why is, is that a PDA? If I hit this in the mark, I'll be so happy. It's a PDA. Go fucking... Of course. (laughs) And it was reprinted in, like, 2015. Fun. So you can can buy it now if you're so interested. (laughs) Um, Well, I keep looking at the cast list here. I love how just Big Finish's early trend of of getting every single writer that they had in their very small pool at the time to, to be, like, a monster or some random side character in each story um, because and then just reusing every cast member like barnaby edwards oh he's in so many of the early ones yeah um, and he's great he's great as an actor and he's a really good director yeah oh and um uh the woman who plays the villain mrs moynihan uh plays a companion to tom baker in the nest cottage audios by paul mars wait who is it uh, the, the the villain lady, the old doddering uh, Scottish Welsh lady in this story. Oh, the one, not the one played by Helen Goldwyn, right? No, 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 the other one. Oh, Susan Jameson. Okay, I see. Yeah, she plays Mrs. Wibsey or whatever it is in the Ness College one. Okay, cool. Um, so since uh, Jacob, you were on that discussion with me, uh, Marcus, would you like to start in this one? Um. This one, yeah, it's a very fun story. It has some issues, though. Um, not really sure where to go from there. I, the Sixth Doctor and the Brigadier is great. 
Um, my third listen, I noticed that this story has a lot going on. Like, you have the thing with um, the, the archaeological dig, you have Mrs. Moynihan, you have the alien, and then you have... What's his name? Give me a sec. Sir Archibald. And I, I feel that, like, as we get to the end, it doesn't add up all that well. And the adding all these plot threads together to end the story feels a little half-assed. I kind of... I, see, I would agree with that if this didn't feel like such a passion project. You know, bringing back the Brigadier and having this Zygons-esque story. Um... However, yeah, the ending does kind of fall flat because it's just, there's too much to wrap up and uh, uh, it, it also does the let's try to go to an exotic location on audio without yeah. quite knowing how to emulate that we're going to an exotic location. Yeah, it's just like, okay, we're here, trust us, we're here, and they're not really making me believe it with the sound design or really the performances. Yeah. Um, none of the yeah. performances are bad or anything. You know, I still love yeah, Colin and Maggie, but um, yeah, they don't. I don't quite get that feeling with the whole exotic location uh, plotline. Who did the sound design for this one? Was it uh, production credits? Uh, sound design, Alistair Locke. Wow, another name that just keeps popping up in this episode. Yeah, that the sound design was something I wanted to talk about too because, like I said, I thought the Marion conspiracy had the best soundtrack. The music really stood out. The music here stands out, too, because there isn't any. And Isn't it, there? It, Wait, really? Like, I think there's a few transitional pieces or something, but for a lot of this story, the, there, there's no music, and, and it makes some of the scenes feel really empty. Huh. You know, I, 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 can, agree, I can agree with that. It, it, it's really quiet, and it doesn't help that Colin Baker had a cold while recording this. Did so he that, really? So that little nod about his cold at the beginning of the story was... You, you can tell. Which is funny, because Alistair Locke did the sound design and music for the Marion Conspiracy. You know, I love being on the Big Finish website right now with, um... This story takes place between Trial of a Time Lord and Time of the Ronnie, because what fucking doesn't? Yeah, that's kind of broad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally every Six Doctor Big Finish story, almost. Oh, I love it. Um... Okay, um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Spectre. It's definitely flawed, but it's just so much fun. And I loved listening to it. And, like, I loved the setting. I know that you, uh, I think all of you criticized, like, it didn't really feel like you were there. I still felt like the setting was pretty fun. Like everything no, no, else just the just just the Greek bits at the end in that museum. Oh, okay. Like, like it doesn't feel like we moved anywhere outside of the oh, UK. That's, that's a that's right. You know, I, I will agree there. But as a whole, the story is a lot of fun. I love the plot. It's very exciting. One thing I will notice, however, or note, however, is that like every cliffhanger was basically the same. And I think Marcus will know what I'm talking about because. I'm pretty sure every cliffhanger was Evelyn getting captured again. And it's like, oh my god, they're going to was kill me. Really? I think yeah, it was no, like I'm, every I'm trying to recall. Part one was her and that jogger getting attacked. Um, I can't remember. Part two or part three was her getting, being strapped to Sir Archibald's machine. Yeah. I can't remember what the other I, one was. 
I think they're all relatively the same because I remember thinking while I was listening to the audio, which this was one of the few audios I sat through in like one listen. That's how much I liked it. And I noticed, it, yeah, okay, every is cliffhanger of... is like basically the same. So you know, I, that was, I, to... I don't that's something minor. I have to agree with that sentiment that you said, like, you, you just sat down and listened to it in one sitting. I didn't do that, but it very much does have that that fun, just, like, sort of get right through it, you know, pass some time, it'll go by like nothing. Yeah, it, ha- it has it has that really fun, enjoyable adventure factor to it that, uh, that does Which make it Which is weird, because pretty... it's, 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 it's not a short audio, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Even the parts, I think, it are goes longer by than very most fast. mainstream stories. Yeah. Like, I do think oh. it was more exciting than Marion Conspiracy, which I know will be disagreed with on that uh you shall be crucified in the morning um in the morning in the it morning. already is oh, the morning uh well yeah next next morning god damn it i hate recording in the morning fuck anyway <laughs> um oh shit lost my train of thought again jacob this is all your fault um <laughs> anything else you'd like to add to spectre landing more jacob uh The cover's nice. No, uh, it's not. No. <laughs> I like the cover. The cover is shit. No, I do have to agree. The cover's so depiction like of the Treganon is not what I imagined when I listened to this story. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Come if on, I didn't know that's, that's so what it, bad. If that isn't what, it, what, it, what I knew it looked like going in, like, I would imagine something entirely different. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is true. However, I do like... What even is it supposed to be? I'm a fan of blue. So, I like the color. I like. I wonder where they. Go, I wonder where they got that like devil stock image from. <laughs> it looks like Thanos, just a little bit. <laughs> Looking although, at it now. Although I hate the colorization on uh, on Colin and Maggie in it, or Colin and Courtney in it, um, because it looks almost like Shadow of the Scourges, doesn't doesn't it? Like the way they're colored. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it just bothers me. Um, I mean, it looks pretty bad, but I still think it looks pretty decent yeah um so ratings out of 10 uh arc nine all right jacob seven all right marcus seven ah i give it an eight personally wow again all across the board uh, i just love fun it is ranging from from, one of my favorite six doctor moments oh which one um basically that scene where he goes off on Professor Morgan about being narrow-minded and not broadening yes, her horizon. Yes, that is so good. Oh, yes, and I then when like Evelyn says, I want you to apologize to Professor Morgan, and his response is, what for? The man's an idiot. That's, yeah. one, that's one of the reasons I love Colin Baker. Like, Colin Baker is my favorite doctor, because he can do self-righteous and not be annoying about it. <laughs> David Tennant. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um... Oh, sorry. I am actually getting over a cold right now at the time of recording, so I have that excuse. Um, in case you've heard me sniffling at all through uh, through this, I swear I'm not a crackhead. Um, so uh, now that only makes watch you sound more like a crackhead, Joey. <laughs> yeah, Joey. What was thinking that? We're gonna we're, gonna we're gonna move away from this topic. <laughs> Onto a onto a story with a much better cover, written by a much better writer, uh, uh, "Winter for the Adept" by the uh, by me and Jacob's God, Andrew Cartmel. Um, Jacob, oh, I'm assuming the I'm, master plan. I assume you would like to begin. <laughs> Winter for the Adept. If it weren't for the fact that Land of the Dead took place in a snowy setting, this would be 
uh, this I, I blame Land of the Dead for why this story gets overlooked so much because there's a, let's be honest the covers have a similar color scheme and with like the pretty barren nature of early big finish covers oh yeah and oh, I, so like sorry if I'm taking this away from you immediately but I totally agree um Land of the Dead being really shit like is is why the story is barely is rarely ever talked about yeah um, which is is such a shame because god damn the atmosphere in this one it is like, so good. it is so good yeah uh, it's, it's, the oh, it's, it's beautiful sorry go on Cartmel does it in 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 three in the three virgin new adventures that he wrote as well he just steeps all these characters in atmosphere and you remember every single character oh most definitely i uh, love i listened to this um i think like early fall it wasn't extremely cold out um but i was like just sitting in my room and um and like just getting engrossed in this atmosphere and i like felt almost cold because like he the atmosphere has done so well which only, not only speaks to andrew Cartmel's skill as a writer but also um oh shit who sound designed this one um uh andy andy hardwick uh sound designed it um which speaks to that and as well russell because... stone did the music so oh yeah it's just it's absolutely beautiful um you getting engrossed in this atmosphere also worth noting easily one of my favorite things about the story is that india fisher is in this playing like a horny teenager and i adore that so much for some reason uh, i can't quite explain why but i think that is hilarious dream like you've had once joey no i swear to christ i listened to like the entire charlie era before i heard this audio and just hearing her in a totally different role from charlie i just i i thought it was really funny and she makes the role oh, her own you should listen to her in the series one finale of gallifrey yeah i've heard that yeah she, she's, she's good like charlie's nazi sister the, and and that being the only one in Gallifrey series one that I actually enjoyed because the rest of that series was really bad, um, but uh, yeah, India Fisher's great in this and and yeah, like you said, the atmosphere is unbelievable. I think uh, it just absolutely engrosses you. Yeah, uh, I, I'd also say this is this has the 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 woman who played Isabel in the invasion in it as Miss Tremaine. Oh shit! <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. It's fun because early Big Finish has a bunch of like, here's a bunch of classic Doctor Who actors who are pretty memorable. As completely these... different characters. <laughs> Mostly because like, their doctors are dead. Oh, God. Their God. doctors are dead, slash, they don't, their doctor doesn't want to come back and do this, this yeah. audio stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we just threw some unintentional shade at Tom Baker. Do you want to take that back? Unintentional? <laughs> okay, fine. Intentional. Whatever. Look, we could have had we could have had stories with Tom and Sarah Jane if he came yep. back. Yep. Tom Baker, the stubborn bastard, but I love him. Um, uh, you also. This is a ghost story, and like. And like it a proper ghost story too. Yeah, and it I doesn't get it. It doesn't try to pull the science's magic thing, yeah. uh, too hard. It's just it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Also, this is really good. Like Sarah Sutton, she okay. pretty much carries the first episode. Everyone is absolutely just yeah. I spot like on how this. the Doctor wasn't in the first episode. I feel like it gave these characters a chance to develop, and it let us, and it let everything build up. Well, like Jacob said, that's what Andrew Cartmel does best. I mean, you know, it just makes those characters so believable and absolutely um, gets you to know these characters before the Doctor even shows up. Um, 
the only the only novel of his that I've read is um, Cat's Cradle Warhead, and um, and just every single one of those characters is so memorable. And the Doctor is more of a background player in that novel. Um, he he very much is um, playing his game from the shadows. And uh, and granted, in this, it's a totally different Doctor, so you get a totally different effect when uh, when the fifth doctor comes into play he's not the chess master like mccoy is um which is something that's very important because you sometimes have writers who can only write for one doctor and they try to make other doctors that doctor that's not right yeah um i have to say something yeah and i think oh sorry oh joey no 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 I, i was gonna pass it off to you anyway go on Okay, so I really I agree with everything you've said. The atmosphere, the characters, the story are all amazing. Um, Nissa as a character, Sarah Sutton does an amazing job. I feel like Nissa though, as a like her character was a little bit out of character. Like she was more edgy and pissy than she usually is in other audios. Now I'm not saying I didn't like her in this audio because I thought she was really good. It's just she was a little different than her other appearances. So that was like minor, minor complaint. I w- I would almost agree with that if not for that being something that I almost craved in Nissa as a character to be more interesting by having her like be a bit more on edge, you know, not quite as accepting as she as she always was. And you know, um, she's kind of rightly so in this one. Like, I'd be pissed too. She's just mad at the doctor the whole time, and then like the next <laughs> the story is like kind of gone and. I don't know. It was interesting. I liked it, but it was a little bit out of character for me. Just a little. I, I think I know where you're going with that, Jacob. <laughs> if you were just put through Land of the Dead, you'd be pissed off. Too. Oh, I was gonna say if I was just transported out of the TARDIS into the French Alps, in yeah, that's what I was talking basically about. Basically, a <laughs> I don't know. I'd just be more pissed off that I was just put through Land of the Dead. Like, if Nissa was just that angry for the first episode or two, I would have been like, okay, this is understandable. But it was, like, her entire character throughout the whole audio. So, I don't know. It was a little weird to me. Maybe that's Cartmel's familiar... Sorry. Maybe that's Cartmel's familiarness with um, with the Seventh Doctor's companions kind of bleeding in there. Yeah, I that's that's a good point. What were you going to say, Marcus? Um, no, yeah, I just... Um, in my agreement with Art, because it feels like with his companions, the Fifth Doctor is very open about what's going on, and throughout this story, he was trying to hide what he was doing from Nyssa, like with those aliens whose name I cannot remember right now, but I remember it being kind of a stupid name. The Spillagy. Oh, is that it? This is (laughs) Spillagy. Um... All right. Well, uh, anything else to add on Winter for the Adept? I'm, this is a very good Doctor Who does X kind of story. In this case, it's Doctor Who does The Shining. Yeah, that's fair. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, very much in its setting and atmosphere. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Uh, anything else to add, Ark? Um, no, I think I'm okay. All righty then. Uh, Jacob, I think I already blew his load over Winter for the Adept. So um, uh, there's apparently a random reference to time flight in here, but is there really? Yeah, I don't remember that. Right. Well, the Marian conspiracy had a reference to the visitation. Well, I mean, yeah, but the visitation is not a bad story. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, what what fifth, sixth, and seventh Doctor story doesn't have a reference to the visitation where where the Doctor gets his sonic destroyed? 
Well, no, I just love that because it's like, and I assume this will all be destroyed in the fire, Great Fire of London. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> um, so, uh, ratings out of ten for Winter for the Adept arc. Oh, um, did I do arc for? Did I do arc for like the last three of them? I'm sorry, Marcus, you go first. <laughs> um, this one I keep going back and forth on, but as of right now, I'm kind of feeling an eight. All right, Jacob. Uh, I'm also giving it an eight. Uh, Ark? Eight. Eight. Wow, okay, so I gotta be the edgy contrarian here. So here's the thing. I, I have a You haven't story. been the edgy contrarian this entire time. <laughs> Fuck off, Jacob. <laughs> oh, no. But, uh, no, no, weird, weird story that just happened just now. I had written down on, on my screen here for a minute, um, Winter for the Adept 8 the entire time, but just talking about it now, just, I don't know, I gotta give it a 9. I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, a 9? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking I love it. I think it's that uh, good. Like, I think okay, it's some, here's another minor thing I forgot to add. Like, it has an amazing buildup. The payoff is a little weak. Otherwise, I would give it a 9 all the way. Yeah, because I saw it first, I couldn't help but compare this to the Witch Finders. When they get to the aliens in the last act, it kind of loses me a little. Yeah, but then Witcher for the Adept doesn't do the whole, it was aliens the whole time, and... And like Jacob said, science is magic, or, or yeah, magic is science. Whatever, whatever you said. Fuck. And I'm not asking it to. It's just the ending compared to the buildup was a little bit weaker, but it's something minor. But when you start off so strong, you're almost bound to somewhat fall flat uh, in the end. Yeah, but it still does. Unless you're a, unless you're a Paul Cornell DNA. Ah, uh, very true. <clears throat> uh, so I guess. That about does it for the main stories. I assume we all have our lists prepared with um, uh, rankings from least favorite to favorite. Who would yes. like to begin? I'll go. So. Of, of course you will. <clears throat> so at the bottom, Red Dawn, because it's boring, and I honestly barely remember anything that happened in it. Uh, above that, Genocide Machine, Fun Ideas, introduces a fun character who I know becomes like a companion to Benny at one point. Like in her oh. series. Oh really? Yeah, she reappears in a couple of Benny audios. Oh, that's cool. Doesn't Which she also I... show up again in Dust Breeding? Yeah, that too. Yeah, she does. I mean, Dust Breeding is boring, but that's another unpopular. What? Thing. No. Yeah, yeah. Wiki doesn't count on her companion of the Seventh Doctor, even though apparently that's their criteria. No, no, no. I was. Oh no, Ark said Dust Breeding was boring. He's wrong. I know he said that. He he's wrong. It, it's got it's got the, the the power couple of Carol and John and Je Jeffrey Beavers. They're so fucking wonderful. Uh, anyway. But we'll get to that in another Celestial podcast. Yes, please have me on for the discussion that has dust reading in it. And then above that, Spectre of Lanyon Moore, and then Winter for the Depth. And the best is the Marion Conspiracy because pure historical Evelyn Colin, you can't go wrong. All right, um, Marcus, would you like to go next? Sure. At the bottom for me is the genocide machine. Like I said, I, good ideas. I just couldn't find it engaging. And then these next two I was kind of back and forth on. So the Spectre of Lanyon Moore, Red Dawn, because I do still like that story. Winner for the Adept in the Marion Conspiracy. All right. Uh, Ark? Uh, Red Dawn is worst because it's just boring. There's nothing to it. Genocide Machine, interesting ideas, um, not really well executed. Winter for the Adept, we just talked about 
then Marion Conspiracy and Spectre is on top. And wow. I'll also add, yeah, Sorry. I'll add that none of these stories are really bad <laughs> except for Red Dawn. Like Genocide Machine, even I would call it pretty decent. But... So I think my ranking was the exact same as Jacob's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so mine goes: uh, Red Dawn, Genocide Machine, Spectre of Lanyon Moor, Winter for the Adept, and the Marion Conspiracy. But I don't know. Something about that Winter for the Adept discussion just is making me question my top two. Um, Jesus Christ! I said, no, I'm I'm not even kidding. Seriously, I'm just I'm just getting memories of like my listening experience with Winter for the Adept, and fuck, I loved it. Um, it was really good. I mean, so so yeah, so I'll say Marion Conspiracy is a, is at the top, but it honestly could be either or. Um, they're they're both fantastic. So um oh shit wow we're only fifty two minutes in how does this happen, Jacob? How was our? How was just you and me talking about Time Worm? An hour and ten minutes. Uh, we were both incredibly loopy, and we went on several tangents. Uh, okay, this is. And fair. apparently, we no one to... here is a morning person. Yeah, uh, this is very true. Very true. true. And it's and it's morning for all of us because we're all Yankees, Yankee Winky scum. So. Um, also, like this morning, I, I I had a biology test. Let's talk about our lives for the next couple of minutes, so we can okay. kill some time. Um, uh, well, my life is currently preoccupied with the show, and Big Finish releasing Bloodline. But I promised I wouldn't go all into no, that. See, how about you don't, Jacob? <laughs> um, oh, actually, you know what I'm listening to right now? The adaptation of uh, Romance of Crime. Ooh, and, you'll uh, love it. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I here's the thing. Right before I started listening to it, um, I had I'd read a review that like of someone saying that like it was. Really I, I saw sh- that review and I was uh, like, I oh, the one on Instagram was that that's the one that you saw. Yeah, I'm like, you're, okay. you're wrong. Yeah, and it, but like also that guy hadn't read the book either, so I don't know. Maybe he's. However, I will say something that I'm noticing in the adaptation is that the rapport between Tom and Lala isn't quite how perfectly Gareth Roberts initially captured it in the book, so maybe that's its only downfall. But other than that, it's a pretty strict yeah, you know, Yeah, but you know why that is. You know why that is. Oh, oh yeah, and it wasn't like the first thing they recorded together since they parted ways. They didn't even record it together. Oh, I, oh well, yeah, they recorded nothing together. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, oh, yeah, actually, now's a perfect time uh, while we're here to uh, to advertise some novel adaptations, which I know yeah, everyone... We have, we have the, most of the crew and half the cast. I don't know. Half the cast? Jacob, Jacob. I think there are a bit too many people in Revelation <laughs> to say that we have half the cast here. Right, half the recurring cast. Okay, uh, sure. No. Okay. Uh, Anyway, um, so so uh, Revelation sneak peek should be coming out towards the middle end of this month. I'm not quite sure. Whenever I have it ready, whenever I finally get the rest of the Revelation lines in at the time we're recording this, because I don't have all of them in yet, <clears throat> so I can't start recording yet. Really? That is that. <laughs> shut up. That, that being said, um, Revelation sneak peek comes out towards the middle end of this month. Um, we're gonna have a trailer in June, and then the six part weekly release is gonna start in early July. Um, should end about mid to late August, um, depending on when we start. It's gonna be, epic. It's gonna be unbelievably big. Easily the the most terrifying project I've ever taken on because it's gonna be really long, probably about uh, over three hours if I were to guess. It's about um, the greatest length. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, see, don't say shit like that because then I then I expect then you're expecting me to make fucking Zagreus again. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, then again, Time War Revelation is kind of Zagreusy in its fan length. I don't know. Also, um, what was what, what was your April Fool's Day thing? I literally read the entire script of the t- of our Genesis adaptation in like three recordings, one for each part. Yeah, I didn't okay. bother watching any more than five minutes of that, but <laughs> I respect the effort. Was there a point where you just started to curse I, me out? I, because... I, re- I recorded it in less than 24 hours, so um, so I, I'm very proud of it, and I destroyed my voice. I coughed and 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 had a had a giant bottle of water next to me the entire time, so I'm quite proud of it. Although I'm really sad that I did it at the same time. Um, but back to Revelation promoting, um, we have everyone here, or we have a lot of people here who helped on the, on the project. Um, Ark here, of course, helped, uh, me and Jacob cast it. Uh, Marcus here, of course, is wonderfully playing, uh, uh, the voice of Saul, who is a sentient church, and how can you not fucking love that? Um, uh, Jacob here, of course, is playing the hermit, quote-unquote. Um, uh, that isn't a quote-unquote, he's, that's, that's how he's, cre- that's, that's hey, how the hey, character hey, is credited. Hey, 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 shut up, um... I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much because even like half the characters that I'm playing, I can't say out loud because they're like secret cameo roles. So yeah, the, the only, hermit isn't a secret cameo role. Yeah, Fine. that's what I was gonna say. He's only ever credited as the hermit, so if he's someone, I didn't know. <laughs> well, he is someone, but like that someone is known as well. Hey, stop! Oh. <laughs> Just the have to part- listen to figure it out. The only- <laughs> The only person that I can actually say that I'm playing is the Doctor in it, uh, the Seventh Doctor. I because I gotta specify that for this fucking story. Well, that's um, very uh, that's very accurate. You are playing the Doctor. Hey, shut up! All right, hey, uh... so, I'm gonna stop this recording before we get out of hand here. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for being on this episode. Um, it was a ton of fun. Marcus, thank you for coming on for the, to the channel for the first time for a discussion video. No problem. Yes. Um, you can also check out Marcus's unbelievably awesome portrayal of Dr. Krieg's leader, quote-unquote, um, in Dr. Who Exodus on my channel. Um, he's unbelievable. He's amazing. I love everything about his performance. Um, Ark, thank you for coming on. Uh, no problem. I always enjoy it. Ark uh, wonderfully played uh, Enkidu and, uh, in, in Dr. Who Genesis and uh, Lord Holda more recently in Dr. Who Apocalypse, which just ended by the time this comes out. It came out last month. Um, Jacob, of course, thank you for being pretty much a mainstay on this podcast. You're welcome. Um, Jacob has done a lot for the novel adaptations, um, namely adapting the books themselves. Um, wow, th- this podcast really has just become a vessel for me to wank over our own adaptations, huh? Wow, Jacob, whatever that is on your on your end, that static. Wow, that's really annoying now. I, I don't I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. I hate you. All right, I'm gonna end this podcast now. Thank you all for coming on, and I will see you guys in the next episode of the Celestial Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>